A big hello to everyone joining us. Thank you for taking your time today to tune into this session. In today's webinar, you will learn about the benefits of safety and traffic management technologies. My name is Liz and I'm the moderator and can assist if you're experiencing any technical issues. Please use the chat box that you could see in your sidebar if you do need to contact me. This session is proudly brought to you by Osroads. Osroads supports its member organisations, those you can see on this slide, to deliver an improved road transport network. Our members are collectively responsible for managing 900,000 kilometres of roads, valued at more than $250 billion. At Osroads, we use a program management approach where each program focuses on an operational area of the road system. This Osroad project falls under the network program. Our speaker's presentation will go for approximately 35 minutes. After that, we'll answer your questions in a live Q&A and that will go for 15 minutes. As always, we are recording today's session and we'll email you once the recording and slides have been uploaded on our website. The slides to this webinar is also available to download in the handout section. The GoToWebinar system has a function for you to send through questions for the Q&A. Simply type your questions into the questions box that you could see into your sidebar at any stage of the presentation. To help us answer your question as best as we can, please indicate the slide number your question relates to. The report this webinar is based on is available to download in the handout section in your sidebar or on the website shown on this slide. This webinar will provide you with a summary of the result of a domestic and international review of recently developed ITS technologies. So without further delay, I'd like to introduce our speaker for today. Our speaker is Dr. Glenn Gies, who is the Principal Technology Leader ITS at the Australian Road Research Board. Glenn has over 20 years experience in ICT and ITS. He has published a wide range of ITS related topics and is co-author of the book, Transportation and Information, Trends in Technology and Policy. Hi Glenn, we're glad to have you join us today. Welcome. Hey Liz, thanks. And thanks for the intro. So here is the agenda and I'll pass it off to Glenn who will talk you through it. So as Elise said, this is um, the uh, Austroads um, network program NEG 6059 and basically I'm going to talk about, give you some background to the, uh, to the project and an introduction, what, the what some of the technologies were, then um, look at some costs and benefits and then um, perhaps the, the largest part of the, the talk is about how we came to evaluate the, um, the studies that, that actually evaluate it. So it's a meta-analysis, if you like, of the reports that, that, that we looked at in evaluating the, uh, the costs and benefits and then present some recommendations. So first of all, let me just introduce the, uh, the team who, who did this work. Um, the project manager at Osroads was Natalie Lockwood, who I'm sure is on the line somewhere there. Hi, Natalie. Um, I led the project, the technical delivery. Ben Mitchell, who's no longer with ARB, who's now um, a traffic engineer at the City of Sydney Council. But there are a whole bunch of other people uh, who um, did a lot of the work, particularly evaluation of the, the, particular, uh, the particular scientific papers and, and other papers that we had that described the technologies. Um, and in fact, that's part of the, part of the out output of the project. So the working group, they came from all around as, as is normal. We had Mark in Western Australia, Andrew Excel from South Australia, Martin Blake, Glenn Bunting, Robin Hawking, uh, Hawkins from uh, ACT, Samim, uh, who's probably out there as well, Brett Martin in RMS, William Lee in Queensland. Hi, Will, how are you? And John, I know very well, of course. And uh, 
AFTAB from um, Northern Territory. So the important thing about this project, moreover, is it actually informs um, a federal government um, from the uh, Transport Infrastructure Council. And this Transport Infrastructure Council produced their national policy framework um, late uh, last year to, to inform how, what they're going to do in the coming years. And action item 14 was about exploring the merits of adopting new safety and management technologies um, in, in transportation. So this, this report directly addresses uh, that particular action item from that uh, important federal document. So there's many, many technologies in the ITS space and none, none of them, all of, well, none of them, none of them fail to address safety. Most of them address efficiency. And really the way that, that people decide or agencies decide how to deploy these technologies is by looking at the benefit cost ratios. And in fact, that's, there's not much out there and that's part of, part of the, uh, the output of this report that I'll comment on later as well. There's, as I said, there's a lot of technologies, but what we decided to do um, with Natalie's help and also with the working group was to limit the scope of the of the technologies we studied because there's just so many of them. So what we decided to do was the technologies had to be new or emerging, but they had to be old enough, and I, these are all in inverted commas, um, that, you, that, that some on-road trials were carried out. So they couldn't be the latest thing in the, in the, in the scientific literature, which hasn't really been trialled, it's just been done in a simulation or some guy has put it together in his lab, but it had to be something that was actually deployed and trialled, at least in part um, in some deployments on, on the road network somewhere in the world, either locally or internationally. And the other out output for the paper, which came out from one of the reviews from the working group, so thank you for that, it, it actually, um, you know, we actually benefited a lot from that, was developing a method for evaluating um, reports in this space in a, in a rigorous way. So the way we identified the technologies to look at was to carry out a scan of the literature that was available in the agencies um, and in the scientific literature. We also carried out a questionnaire um, to, uh, to identify whether uh, there was anything that was of particular interest, either locally or internationally, something that was sort of seen as being, you know, breakthrough uh, sort of technology, quite important. And then after we looked at all these technologies, we found that, you know, there's quite a, quite a number of them. And we went on and we, we looked at um, rating them in order to limit the sort of the number of, of, of studies we have to look at. And, the way we did this, we came up with a high, medium and low rating. So the high rating were the ones which the agencies, the Austroads members uh, in general terms, were directly responsible for. And then the medium level technologies, and this doesn't again, there's no, there's no reason for calling them high, medium and low, it's just an easy, easy nomenclature, were the ones that were used by customers. And the low rated ones were the in-vehicle technology, because these are really the technologies that the agencies, that, that you guys, the Austroads members, um, have really no control over, um, you know, and whether they're deployed, what's developed or anything. In the case of, you know, roads agency directly responsible, if you think of a traffic signal, you have ultimate responsibility of where and how that, that signal is deployed. And again, the medium uh, technologies are things like um, in-vehicle navigators, where again, you know, you don't really have control, but they're quite easy to pick up by your customers. So anyone can go and really use their iPhone or their, you know, I shouldn't use a brand name there, um, your latest mobile phone device, um, smart device, 
as a navigator, um, you know, in order to, to enhance their, their travel experience. So we, after we developed, after we looked at these technologies, we thought of a way of breaking them up and we, we broke them up into uh, these particular classes. Um, there were those technologies which influenced crossings, um, pedestrians and cyclists. Um, there was some overlap of those, of course, with intersection management, but we kind of separated them out. Intersection management, traffic signals and that kind of thing. Um, on road, um, things like um, illuminated road studs, for example, there's equipment at the roadside, so there's data collection, road management systems, weather detection, speed enforcement, those kind of activities, uh, those kind of uh, technologies rather. Uh, mobile tablet devices, which typically used for driver training. Um, uh, for example, you can um, you know download uh, sample uh, tests for the for you know when you're going to go for your driving license um, and and do that on your, your mobile device, and also of course route guidance as I. Uh, mentioned earlier. But by far the greatest number of these things are actually in the low category, if you like, and they're the in-vehicle um, technologies. And they're all the emergency fatigue management, interlock speed control, in, in intelligent speed adaptation, um, frontal collision warning automated braking systems, driver assistance system, lane change assistance uh, systems. There's a whole stack of them. Vision systems, people, you know, there are companies that have put thermal images in, in, in vehicles um, in order to enhance the, the, the way people can see you know, in, at night. But these were really largely out of scope because as I said earlier, it's really not something that, 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 that you as Austro's members um, have much influence over. Um, so again, just looking more closely at the high category, um, we looked at, as I say, those technology platforms, crossings, intersections on road, and there's, there's a huge number of these in the report. I've only put this up as a sample of the kind of thing that you will find in there. Um, this report then, sorry, this table then cross links to various sections in the report. So, for example, if you want to look up pedestrian uh, activated flashing beacons, beacons, that's aligned with the safe system pillar of safe roads. Um, and you can find an international evaluation report in table 4.2 and there's an ID number there and that links throughout the entire document. So let me just go back again to that. Um, as I say, it, it's, it's really, I'm not going to stick them all up. There are way too many of them. Please, 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 if you are interested in, your, in, in any particular technology, look it up in the report. I can, I, I'm not really going to go through any particular system uh, in the talk, it's more about the process of getting to the end point, not the actual technologies themselves. So we did look at 18 particular technologies, um, pedestrian activated flashing beacons, puff and crossings, um, adaptive traffic signal control, uh, traffic signals of which SCATS of course is, is the uh, the most predominant in, in Australia, rural intersection warnings, illuminated pavement markings, um, wireless Bluetooth data collection systems, again, um, quite quite popular these days, um, particularly with the, uh, the, the DPTI development and, and, um, and, and, you know, it's actually quite a good system, the Ad Insight system, infrastructure collision warning systems, so bridge over height, for example, integrated corridor management systems, lane use management systems, ramp signals, widely deployed um, in a number of states, smart work zones, VMS, uh, VMS signs, road weather management, driver feedback, 
point-to-point -point speed enforcement, again, used in some jurisdictions, not others. Uh, VSLS, variable speed limits, um, driver training assessment, and some um, safe driving mobile applications. So costs and benefits. Um, and again, if I, I, I should have said earlier, and I'll say it now, um, there's really not much out there in the literature that talks about costs and benefits. It's, it's you know, as in, as in or benefits and costs, as in actually getting real numbers into there. And we kind of um, um and about how to, to, to deal with that. And again, with help from the working group with Natalie and, and others, um, we kind of decided to skip um, sort of not actually going and, and putting in numerical figures, but really just seeing if any, any of the estimates were available in the literature. And in fact, in a lot of cases, they're not. Um, and, and again, this comes about because a lot of the evaluations are about how the technology performs its function, not how much it actually costs to install. So does it have a, have a safety benefit? Does it have an efficiency benefit? Yes. But we're not going to tell you it costs us, you know, $100,000 to put this thing on the road. But but we will tell you, you know, how how what the safety benefit is, for example. And again, this is the the um the, the table that you're seeing here is a is a snapshot of part of the report. These go on for a number of pages in the document. Um, and again, I suggest you you look at that. What I have done on the next slide is um, sort of break one up so you get a better idea of what we cover. So each technology has a particular ID, it has a name, we then have a basic description of what it is. Um, we then have an estimate of how long um, such a system may last. And again, typically for something like a traffic signal, something which has got a roadside infrastructure uh, thing, you're hoping to have your, your, your equipment out there for you know, a decade or more. Um, the cost here, maybe not for a single intersection, but if you started to do a whole area, a whole city, the cost is quite high. Um, then we have a benefits matrix there, which, as I say, looked at um, the safety benefit here. So crash reduction, yes, it's reported. Um, efficiency, so um, various indications of if uh, if you deploy one of these, what you're likely to get as as an efficient uh, traffic efficiency gain. Are there any real benefit costs estimates in the literature? The answer to this. Uh, question in this case is yes. Um, what the impact is, so does it have just an impact uh, quite locally or is it a wide area? So again, you employ, you don't just deploy, uh, adaptive traffic could be deployed locally, but you know, we were looking at a larger deployment, not just a single, single intersection. So it's network level. And um, of course, in the case of um, something like this, you know, I, I, I as a private individual can't go and just stick a, a, a traffic signal up outside my house or put up a, a system that is actually managed by um, the Austroads members and the agencies. So um, if you do have any questions, please don't hesitate to type them in the box at the end. Uh, you know, you'll find it in the in the, the um, go to meeting go, or go to webinar system. Um, and let me know which slide the question relates to, and I'll be more than happy to, to answer it uh, at the end or offline if it requires uh, that level. So the evaluation methodology, and this, this, this work actually come, came about because of some feedback we received um, when we initially did the, uh, the work. We just listed all these studies and um, 
sorry, this is, yeah, we just listed all these studies and they were not, um, there was really no indication of how, how, how good they are or how good they were. So again, in the document, there are numerous pages that look like this, um, which discuss the various different technologies that we studied. And again, if we just look across, um, say the first row here, um, the technology group is pedestrian activated flashing beacons. Um, we found a couple of studies there. They were carried out in uh, USA. Um, one was carried out by the FHWA and you can, the, the reference is there. Um, and then we also estimated the academic rigor and those uh, academic rigor reports, if you like, uh, are available in, the, uh, in the, the, the appendices of the report. And then we have some additional information about what, what, the, uh, you know, what the benefits are uh, and whether, um, you know, uh, what, what, what uh, the advantages are for both safety and efficiency if, that, if, if they were reported. So we ended up evaluating 39 reports uh, quite rigorously. We found there were no studies on lane use management systems or integrated corridor, corridor management. Um, that, that, you know, it's, it's, yeah, again, there's no indication as to why this is the case. Integrated corridor management is, is quite new. Um, and despite being uh, trialed in, like, tried in various places, there's really not much that's been reported on how well it's worked. Of the 39 studies, 12 studies were done in Australia and New Zealand. It was across eight groups, which I've indicated there. So, of course, um, studies on adaptive signals, um, SCATs, ramp metering, um, a lot of uh, work done by Vic Roads a number of years ago. It's been worked on level, level crossings, illuminated pavement markers, Bluetooth, of course, with that insight. There's been some work on curve speed warning, um, variable speed limit signs and driver training apps. But again, for, for, for all those, please, please, please have a look at the, um, at the, uh, the report. So when we came to evaluated these, we, we, we had to evaluate them on scientific merit. So the reports were evaluated not on their novelty, innovativeness, utility, whatever, just on their scientific merit. And really what we wanted to do was develop a methodology that was robust, reliable and repeated, repeatable. And so essentially when we, we did this, we, uh, the number, a number of people took three or four reports. We all went away and evaluated it with the methodology that I'm just going to briefly describe to you and then uh, cross-reference to make sure that we came up with essentially the same um, ranking of, 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 of the document. So that sort of, um, you know, tested the robustness, the reliability and repeatability of the methodology. So the first thing we look at is the study details, what the technology, what the purported benefit is, where it occurred, where it occurred, what it was called, is there, is there a number, the date, where it was evaluated, how it was evaluated, and what statistical methods were used in evaluating it. We then do a bunch of our, a bunch of stuff on checking whether it's the, the technical validity. So you know, is the study set up pro properly? Are all the variables defined? Is the scientific hypothesis well stated? Are the test variable variables the relationship between what they're testing and what they claim they want to measure? So the safety or or, or, or efficiency benefit clear? Is there consistency in the pattern? Um, and it, particularly here, it's quite important if they take the technology away, which has got to be the base case, 
is there actually a difference in in, in the, the safety or efficiency when you, you don't have this thing uh, actually installed, a technology installed on, on the roadside or in the vehicle or whatever? So the other thing, of course, is it's, what we really would like to have is something that's been tried in a whole bunch of places. So whether it's externally valid, so you know something which has just been tried in uh, one particular state in the US may not be repeatable in, in New South Wales. It might have quite different results. Um, all the, has all the mathematics been done correctly, statistical conclusion validities, um, we check for that. Um, again, has there been change, you know, any uh, changes in traffic flow? This actually is a threat to validity. So for example, if they do a study over a long period of time, if the traffic goes up by a factor of three because the land use patterns or the land use changes, then that can really have, a, have an effect on whether the study is valid or not. Um, so the other thing is, if they look at, if the study is done in a whole bunch of different places, do they, you know, group together um, sites with high traffic flows with low traffic flows also affect um, the validity of the report. Long-term trends, um, were there control sites to take into account, uh, you know, growth, growth in traffic, for example. Regression to the mean, um, has that all been taken into account? And again, um, if, if the technology is installed, has it led to other performance changes at a nearby location? So kind of a halo effect. You know, if, if you put up a speed camera, um, you'll probably find that the speed will actually drop for you know, a few hundred metres around that rather than just at the, the, the camera itself. Um, and again, a halo effect around, so if you install this, is there also a temporal halo around it as well as a, 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 a sort of a, a geographical halo? So um, the recommendations from the report um, is that the, the, the technology, technology doesn't stand still. And um, really what this list needs to be done, what, what needs to happen is that the report needs to be updated um, continuous, continuously. It is really a living document. This report is just a snapshot in time. So it's probably a snapshot up to you know six months or even even a little bit longer ago than that. Um, and as the technologies mature, um, they could potentially be removed from the archive, removed in archive, but still kept for reference. Um, so you know, as the technologies are found, it'd be good to update the study. So you know, what we're what we're sort of saying is. You know, it's better to have technologies with study uh, with studies available uh, in, in, in you know online. Perhaps this should just go onto the web somewhere. And in fact, that's been uh, I think that's been done by Glassroads more or less as we speak. Um, applications of technology, you know, technology should be tested locally. So as I sort of you know hinted at before, technologies working you know overseas may not be directly transferable to to Australia. Um, also, there's potential for looking at some of the uh, benefits and costs of in-vehicle safety systems. So, for example, in, in Europe now, um, uh, automatic front collision braking has been mandated. But what's the real benefit of that? I'm sure there are studies for that. We didn't go and look at that. There's certainly, you know, in a in similar vein, there's good studies for electronic stability control about the safety that, that, that those technologies uh, have, have produced. And you know, really, what we'd like to see, and I mean collectively here, Ostroads, um, we really want to see 
you guys, our members, the members of Austroads, um, when you do a study, please provide it um, to Austroads for publication. Um, and it'd be good if that became sort of part of your normal um, business practice. Now, of course, you know, not, not if there's anything that's sensitive in it. And in fact, if a technology doesn't work, although that might not be a good thing from the agency's point of view, for other people out there, it's, it's a good thing to know. Um, you know, and again, wording and all this can, can get around any issues that, that you may uh, perceive of, uh, you know, that, that could impact uh, your, your agency. And finally, the study should be evaluated using the methodology that we developed. And that the methodology is not just applicable to reports that we looked at here. It's actually general, generally, generally applicable across you know, a whole range of, 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 of study areas where, you know, particularly where people are um, using statistical methods to evaluate uh, particular technological systems or road safety technologies, road safety markings or whatever. Um, so, you know, I, I recommend you, you use the study. And in fact, I think internally now for our material, we'll be uh, using, using it to sort of, um, you know, just check the kind of studies that we do. We do a number of, 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 of studies using uh, the technology, using statistical methods to evaluate uh, various uh, traffic performances. So again, if you have any questions, please uh, type them into um, to the, uh, the box at the bottom of the screen or on the side or wherever you've got it set up. And I will be more than happy to answer them. And if you, can, if you need me to go to a specific slide, please um, indicate the slide in the question. So when Liz um, let, uh, you know, lets me know, um, I'm more than happy to come there. So that's, uh, that's me on the screen there. Um, and I was so, uh, thanks for the introduction earlier on to Liz and I will hand back to you and uh, deal with some questions. Thanks for listening folks. Yeah, thank you Glenn for covering all that information. So, um, I see some questions. The first question is in relation to slide 16. Slide 16. Were road user charges excluded from the scope for a reason? Um, it wasn't excluded for any, any, any reason, um, but it, it doesn't have a road safety um, and congestion benefit. I guess it has, a, I guess it can have an efficiency benefit. There was no real reason for excluding it. It didn't come up as being a typical technology. I mean, and again, it's more of an in-vehicle system. Um, you know, you geofence, but but it's it's an in-vehicle system rather than um, an on-road. Although that's good, a good example of where a road agency or policy could have could, could play a role in that. So that's that's something that could go in in the future. So whoever said that, thank you very much. Thank you, Glenn. Another question is, did you endeavour to find unpublished cases of unsuccessful trials? Yeah. Yes, but but they're, they're hard to find and we didn't actually uncover any. I mean, people are less li less likely to, to, to let that kind of stuff out. But again, if you have any, I'm, you know, I, and you want them to be published, um, and, and you're willing to let them out, then that'd be great. Thanks, Glenn. Another question in relation to slide 33. So besides Affleman, besides the LUMS and corridors, did you unearth other gaps in 
unevaluated technologies? Uh, yes, but I don't have the report in front of me. Actually, I think no. For the, I think they're the only ones I indicated. And I can't find the slide. No, we didn't. In the ones we found, no, there were the only ones that we didn't find uh, technologies were LUMS and uh, integrated corridor management. Okay, thank you, Glenn, for clarifying. Collins asked, so how will new technologies be captured for future assessment? For example, lip line dynamic lane markings. Okay, so that's that's a a, a good question as well. And I, I look again, I would hope, and I don't know what process um, Ostro's, and I imagine it will be through the network task force, something that Natalie or, or, or whoever um, you know is, is put in charge by Natalie or by Ostro's to do that, would set up some sort of smallish group um, who would potentially um, you know carry out a once a year actually probably through the network task force, that would be the logical way. I mean, it's a process thing. They would then identify um, technologies for study, which would then be looked at. That's what I would imagine, but I could be talking completely wrongly. So if I'm wrong, I apologize, Natalie. Okay, thanks, Glenn. In relation to slide 33, are there any standard specifications or specifications which are essential during purchase process for each technology gadget? Uh, that's again. That's a that's a that's a good question. We didn't look at standards. Um, we also didn't really have a look at patents too much either, um, which may have been a, an oversight. Now that we think about this huge number of patents, but a lot of them they're very very hard to read. I, I must say, and and they often don't have evaluations. They're just disclosures. Um, so. Certainly with things like, you know, there are standards for, for various road signage, there's standards for those sort of things. So the answer is yes, but really standardization goes hand in hand with development of technology. So I, I would say that in a lot of the cases here, the technologies may be too new in inverted commas to, to be standardized, although that's certainly not the case, say, for SCATs in the case of traffic signals, but it's not standardized in the sense of a national standard, it's just a de facto standard. So, yes, but no, <laughs> that's a good answer. Yeah, thanks, Glenn. Thanks for answering. A question from Warwick. So in relation to 28 to 30, so with ITS technologies from overseas, is explicit consideration going to be given to context differences, such as speed limits, which are generally lower than in Australia, and vehicle mix, larger vehicles in Australia, trucks and SUVs? Okay, that's again interesting question. Um, that again, in the future, you, as I said, the idea would be to look at technologies from overseas, and then they really to to actually translate those studies from overseas to Australia can be quite hard. Um, if you you know looking at context, it is actually quite hard to do that. It would be better if. A technology was, you know, if something looked really good, um, if somebody could perhaps, one, one of the agencies could come and trial it in Australia, that would be the optimal the optimal way of, of, of de, you know, determining what the benefit is. It's not, but again, it's not a fast process. A lot of these um, technologies, particularly with safety benefits, it becomes very tricky um, you know, you have to you have to actually run them for a long time in order to get statistically uh, noticeable effects. Mm. So 
it's hard. The context switch is hard. Yeah. Thanks, Glenn. So I hope that answered your question, Laura. Another question, which is, did any of the studies relate to dynamic parking signage on external road signs? Road signs. We didn't look at that, that explicitly. We only looked at VMSs in general. Mm, okay. Thanks, but again, that's, that's an interesting one too. Yeah. Whether again, whether whether there's studies that have been done would be interesting. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know, but as I say, we didn't look at those. Okay. So a question in relation to slide twenty. So the BCR mm -hmm. estimates were where are they available in literature? Haven't they haven't been included in the report? And were these all collated? And are they available from Osroads? So they're not they're not collated, but they're available in the studies that we um, that we we found. So if you if you pull out the reports that that were looked at, there'll be a BCR uh, estimate in there. It's very hard to to again similar to the to question before about overseas and local context, transferring BCR from overseas into the Australian context is hard as well. Mm -hmm. Um, which is also one of the reasons why we didn't didn't really include it. Yeah, thanks, Glenn. So Trevor's mentioned. I've noted your remarks that there is a dearth of hard data on benefits from trial and/or implementation of the various safety traffic management technologies. Is there any work underway to improve the situation? Um, so the fault I would I would like to believe. That, that the flow on from this would, would lead to that. Um, and again, if you as Austro's members carry out a study on something you've had deployed, you know how much the cost is and you know how many lives you've saved. And then it's a relatively straightforward calculation to come up with a BCR. So it'd be great if you can, if, if you can provide those numbers, if you can provide that data, it, it'd be fantastic. Um, and I'd like to see this this project as a precursor and 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 an eye opener for for that particular work. So that's yeah, thanks. That's great. I'd really like to see that. Okay, thanks, Glenn. Another question is in relation to slide fifteen. So, so any explicit consideration of what could be useful for municipal governments on their roads? No, we didn't. We didn't really look at, at. We didn't break it up by by jurisdictional type. Um, so it was really just about the the technologies. And I mean, a lot of a lot of the technologies we looked at. So you know, for example, uh, you know, a, a, a local council who wants to have a traffic signal installed, there are warrants for those, and you can go and do a study and have it installed. And I imagine too, if you know there's a black spot. Um, then you can you can put up a case to have a speed camera or or something installed, but nothing nothing specifically aimed at particular levels of jurisdictions. No. Okay, thanks, Glenn. So Freddie's asked. So what is the reason why lane departure warning works mostly on freeways and not on collector roads? <laughs> uh, is that is that that's that's a, that's a bit out of scope. <laughs> um, Dare I say line marking quality, but that's and I mean that's that's just a, an issue everywhere. Um, that's 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 what I would say there. And again, not out of scope of this report. <laughs> it's observational. <laughs> mm. 
Thanks, Glenn. Question in relation to slide 20. So given there is little research on the economic evaluation of these technologies, are there any plans by OSROADS or member agencies to undertake further research in this area? Sorry, can you repeat that? So given there's little research on economic evaluations of these technologies, right. are there any plans by OSROADS or member agencies to undertake further research in the area? Yeah, I'll just just I'll add one more comment to the last question. A lot of those uh, lane departure warning systems don't activate until you're travelling at over 65. So there's a, a 65 kilometres an hour or so. So there's a speed issue as well. Again, observational, not not part of this report. Um, so uh, Elise, I think I answered that previously. I'd really like to see this this um, this work as a precursor lead into that economic BCR kind of study. And again, it's up to the agencies to, to release the costing data. Um, that's really what it comes down to. Um, that, that's, really, that's really the answer to that question. But it's up to you guys as, as, as you know, Austroads members to, to do that. Okay, thanks, Glenn. So a question in relation to the methodology. So it would seem that the review methodology has application beyond this project. So can you comment on this? Yeah, so, so it can be used basically across any, any kind of study where you have a hypothesis that you're testing against, comparisons that are being made, statistical methods. So for example, um, we're carrying out, uh, we carried out some studies on uh, bus lane performance, um, so compliance rates and that sort of thing. We use statistical methods to do that. Some work done um, in, for, for um, the transport for New South Wales and roads and maritime. And um, you know, we could evaluate the efficacy of, of our work using the methodology here. So we had we, you know, we had somebody else in, in the organization who's not who wasn't part of the project team to check out that we were doing the right thing. Yeah. And so you can you can do that. So it's applicable to any you know anything where you've got comparisons, where you've got statistical testing, where you're testing against a hypothesis. Yeah. Okay, thank you, Glenn. In relation to slide 32, so in relation to the call for studies to be made public, it's also important to include research that shows unsuccessful projects. This might be political, yeah. difficult yeah. for agencies, but can you comment on this? Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. Um, start, it, again, it's kind of, it's kind of the same with negative studies in um, in uh, you know drug drug trials. Companies will release them. Um, you know they're advantageous to have to have them out there. Um, I think you've just got to you've just got to bite the bullet because in the end you don't want you don't want somebody else to have to keep repeating this or, or heaven forbid deploy something, which may have you know consequences you know that are, that, are, that are awful. So I think there's almost an obligation to report negative studies as well. Mm, okay, thank you, Glenn. So we have a question coming through, which is the safety benefits may generally be understated due to underreporting of crashes and injuries, particularly for pedestrians and, and cyclists, mm -hmm. whereas yeah. efficiency gains are readily calculated. Can this bias yeah. against safety be overcome? <laughs> That's that's a really tough one to answer. Mm. Um, 
Yeah, I, the answer is I don't know. Um, you know, really, it comes down to reporting rates, as as the, the questioner uh, stated. How do we up the reporting rate? And and again, I I don't know. Um, I've, I've got no good answer for that question. I'll, I'll I'll take that on notice and think about it. All right. Thank you, Glenn. So that is all the questions that we've received. We've received some comments, and then I'll I'll feed those uh, comments back to Glenn. So thank you for sending through all those comments and questions. Before we let you go, I'd like to let you know of some webinars that we have coming up. So we have a session on guideline for continuing improvement processes for asset management, which is on 28th of June. We then have another session with a panel of five speakers and they'll be presenting on three major connected and automated vehicle trials, which are happening in Australia and that is on 3rd of July. The week following, we have a webinar on network performance indicators on the 12th of July, and the details to register are for these events on the website shown. And we encourage you to spread the word about these webinars, so feel free to let your contacts know. And if you don't already know, our webinar recordings are available as podcasts. You can subscribe to our podcast titled Offroads. Simply search for Offroads in your podcast app on your smart device. Alternatively, you can add our RSS feed shown on the slide. And the last news is that Austroads has partnered with RMS New South Wales to bid to host the World Road Congress in Sydney in 2023. So this event is an opportunity to showcase some of our groundbreaking innovation and play an active role in shaping the future of our global community. Please support Australia and New Zealand's bid and join us on the road to Sydney in 2023. And you could visit this website for more information. So to our audience, we hope you enjoy the session. Feel free to get in touch if you do have any further questions or comments. As we close, we'd like your feedback as well as any other topics you'd like us to cover. So if you could please fill out a survey which will pop up after we close. And lastly, thank you, Glenn, for joining us today and answering everyone's questions. Thanks, Elise, and thanks everybody for, for, for taking the time out to, uh, to, to, uh, to join the, uh, the webinar. Thank you, goodbye all. Bye.